0: Well, welcome to another edition of uh, AWC's City Voice podcast. I'm Candace Bach, the Government Relations Director, and I'm here with the Government Relations Advocacy Team. So we wanted to reflect a little bit on where we've come. In the last 50 or so days, and um, the, the kind of craziness that the last 10 days of session uh, looks like. So, um, why don't we start with introductions?
1: Uh, Carl Schreger here, Deputy Director of Government Relations. I cover mostly housing, land use, and environmental issues.
2: Sharon Swanson, Government Relations Advocate. I cover public safety, liability, cannabis, and some of the general government issues
3: and Brandy DeLang, government relations advocate, and I also cover uh, broadband telecom issues, transportation infrastructure and energy issues.
0: Well, thanks everybody for joining us this morning. It's been um, it's been a roller coaster ride of a short session. We always talk about short sessions being a sprint and um, I just don't know what direction we've been sprinting in this whole time. I feel <laughs> like are we we can run one way, and then we then we can go the other way. So, what are some of the big takeaways from the first fifty days?
3: I'll go first. You know, this is my first session here in Olympia, so I, I'm learning quite a bit as we move along. And one of the things I'm I'm kind of quickly learning is that um, things move very quickly here, and yet they equally move quite slow. Um, we worked pretty diligently on getting uh, Senate Bill 5510, which is our priority TBD bill from the Senate over to the House. And that actually went relatively quickly with quite a bit of support from uh, legislative members. But now, unfortunately, we're at the point where um, the bill is stuck in the Rules Committee um, and seems to be at least uh, for the foreseeable future. Uh, We're obviously working on trying to convince legislators in the House that this is a worthy uh, piece of legislation and should probably get uh, an opportunity to be heard on the floor. But like I say, it uh, all moves uh, quick and slow at the same time.
0: And Brandy, you had another bill earlier this session um, that had the most misleading bill title I think I've ever seen for what the bill actually did
3: yeah and so and that's and that's a great point candace so what i'm also equally learning here is that um sometimes bills go away and yet come back in different forms so um early in the session we saw a bill called the deployment of broadband which basically was this concept of allowing um, broadband deployment companies to micro trench uh, fiber optic cable into uh, city right-aways. And obviously this caused a lot of concern for our membership. And we were really fortunate in uh, convincing legislators that this really wasn't the appropriate vehicle for getting broadband deployment in cities or even in rural portions of the state. Um, However, We're now seeing a proviso, which is significantly less concerning, um, but a proviso that would uh, create a joint legislative task force to look at kind of the overall practices of broadband deployment, which would obviously include micro trenching uh, and the permitting process at the local level. Um, But really, I think that the takeaway here is that things can kind of come back in zombie form, but it's just a different zombie.
1: And similarly with the, uh, you know, zombie thing that uh, Brandy was talking about, we've had that on the missing middle bills, where we had a quite the effort to try to convince the legislature of the error of their ways on that proposal, kind of came to a head and it did not pass uh, the first uh, House of Representatives cutoff. And now we're seeing bits and pieces of it uh, in, attempted to be integrated into other bills. You can't change your UGA boundaries and swap land in and out unless you've done missing middle housing in some portion of your land base. Uh, there's some budget provisos looking to incentivize that kind of behavior. You know, it's kind of ever vigilant. We've got somewhere around eight days left as we're recording today and uh, any of these things can still come back. Uh, so, you know, we're we're seeing, you know, proposals kind of swinging back and forth in the transportation space right now and things that seem like they were going smoothly can kind of blow up on you at just any time. So that's one of the dynamics of the end of session that's challenging and and fun too. These things start to kind of come up and go down really quickly. And you just have to be ready and able to provide feedback as quick as possible and mobilize, you know, city response on these things so that we can, you know, get the best outcome.
0: One of the the things as you reach this point in session, you think all the way back to the beginning of session and what you thought was gonna be a big deal mm-hmm. and wasn't, and the things you thought weren't gonna be a big deal that are at this point. And Sharon, I think that's kind of true. It, to me in watching the public safety follow-up bills, the, the police reform clarification bills that have kind of been quiet or than I would have expected. And then things like prejudgment interest that um, I would have hoped wouldn't have been such a big deal are big deal here as we reach the end.
2: Yeah, no, that's that's a good analysis, Candace. Um, most of the police reform clarification bills, um, well, two of the three, I should say, so for most, Um, have already made it through and are going to the governor's desk and they have uh, emergency clauses, so they'll take effect immediately. Um, So that's great we have one more out there uh, that tries to define you know use of physical force and there's some issues with that one, but we fully anticipate that bill will make it through not a lot of controversy. um, But, as you pointed out prejudgment interest has been a huge issue Um, that one's been around for a few years, so we kind of have been through this fire drill.
0: Haley really does, I know at the very first week of session, they had a hearing on the police liability bill that we were very uh, um, concerned about, uh, very much opposed to. And and then that was it. Like we never heard about it again um, after the hearing. And so things that you thought you were gonna spend your whole session working on evaporate and then other things um, pop up and you're, you're spending all this time, I, I know for me One of the strange bills this session has been the transportation network company bill. Not because we have huge issues with it, but because it's like getting the language drafted correctly and trying to explain why this language doesn't work because it messes up um, local taxation and there's not a lot of understanding about that in, in some areas. And so it's just like constantly trying to get them the right language. So it's not even a big policy fight as much as like just fine tuning the language over and over and over again.
1: We had a version of kind of what you're talking about, Candace and, and Sharon, with spending an inordinate amount of time working on the climate and GMA bill, House Bill 1099, for at least two years, probably more like three, and working really collaboratively with all the different parties who, you know, were interested in it and got to agreement across the stakeholders. And then the Senate Ways and Means Committee adopted an amendment that like totally cut gutted the bill, changed a bunch of uh, things in, in Candace's point like, in you know, technical sections where the new language just creates all kinds of ambiguities and questions. And it's sort of funny because last year they passed a much stronger version of the bill. And then it died in a different committee and now this year, we're sort of in the scramble drill now where They've taken this pretty significant step and whack at the policy and we need to figure out like what is left. Will the House accept any of that? Is there any way to get anything out of the Senate that the House would actually support that moves the needle forward for the folks who want to see progress on climate and land use connectivity? And it's an interesting place for cities to be because we we want to be at, uh, at the table and doing the right thing on climate and have worked in good faith to get a strong bill. And now it's been made weaker, which, you know, some people might think we would prefer, but honestly, they sort of took a lot of that policy work that had spent quite a lot of time putting together out of the bill. So that's, you know, one of these things that needs to be resolved in the next couple of days, and it's a little unclear where we go from here.
0: Yeah, I think that, you know, the scramble that is these last like the last 10 days of session and and of course when our audience is hearing this there will be even fewer than than that um, left in the session so much happens in the last few days of session and i think it's a good good example of why local government just functions so much better you have all year long to work on things then you know the legislature tries to cram it all in and um a few short weeks and and at the end of session Sometimes some really good things happen, and sometimes some really bad things happen. And it gets so late in session; you, it's hard to respond. And I know for our city members, um, staying engaged for a full sixty days—you've got lots. Uh, you know, the cities have lots of things going on, and it, it's hard to keep track of all this. And then it gets so crazy, and it's such a scramble here at the end. So, um, thoughts from the, our advocates on why why we need cities to stay engaged all the way to the bitter end.
3: Yeah, I can start off, you know, I think uh, kind of tying back to what Carl was describing earlier is how quickly things change and how important it is for cities to be engaged. The transportation package is a prime example. Um, When it was originally introduced, there were certainly quite a few um, pieces that provided kind of overall benefit to cities, including local options and um, some infusion into TIB for complete streets. But, you know, it it was a package that uh, provided some underlying um, support for our overall goal of, of uh, getting a statewide um, approach to transportation. And then unfortunately, um, it kind of took a dramatic turn and uh, legislators decided that the export fuel tax that they were originally proposing to um, provide the good chunk of revenue around two billion uh, was a little too controversial based off of feedback from surrounding states and uh, fellow legislators. So they swapped that out for um, the public works assistance account, which is obviously something that we as cities are using on a regular basis to support local infrastructure needs. Um, And I think this is the moment now where our members and where cities as a whole can really um, raise their voice and express concern and and try to engage with legislators to educate them on the importance of this account. And and frankly, the importance of having cities at the table from the very beginning to kind of help educate and guide legislators on how to make um, holistic decisions that don't so negatively impact our, our membership as a whole.
0: Yeah, I think it's a great example
3: of like not not getting complacent
0: in in the end and thinking, oh, everything's looking good. Um, So many times we've seen a massive change at the very end of session. When I
2: would echo kind of what uh, Brandy had said, um, you know, just the prejudgment interest bill is a great example. It's still out there, still rolling around and just having our city officials who have the expertise come in and and explain aspects of the practical impacts that maybe a lobbyist such as myself wouldn't have. For instance, you know, it's a, it's a bill about prejudgment interest, but we have our risk managers come in and talk about how not only how hard it is to get insurance for cities and how expensive it is, but some of these new ideas such as prejudgment interest that may not even be covered by existing policies. And so there's additional impacts that we wouldn't know if we didn't have your expertise and you didn't do this every single day. You could bring it in and explain that to legislators. That's potentially an unintended consequence, and so that degree of knowledge is is incredibly valuable as we're discussing these bills and trying to find a compromise. Um, you know, we don't like the bill, but we always try and find a compromise, and so having having those kinds of details is is invaluable.
1: Yeah, I think one of the other lessons of the transportation package that's interesting is not giving up when the tide turns against you and you know, the, the floor speeches on the revenue piece with the Public Works Trust Fund were, you know, it was almost dominated by that issue on the parts that I watched at least in terms of the revenue package. And, you know, lots of speeches about the implications of that for cities and, you know, listing off all of their cities that had benefited from it over the past. And, you know, I think that that's a testament to the outreach that our members did on a quick turnaround. And, you know, it still has the possibility of changing that course of those decisions. And so that's kind of thing you have to keep up all the way till the end.
0: I think um, one of the scariest parts of the end of session are conference committees. (laughs) And for our audience who's listening, when the House and Senate pass different versions of a bill, one of the options for resolving those different versions is to send it to conference committee, where a small group of legislators will hammer out a compromise. And then it's an up or down vote. It so there's no more changing it just gets passed or does not like you have no way into that process. um, Almost no way into that process, and so I think it's an area where our city members can be more influential because their legislators are still listening to you, maybe not to lobbyists so much at that point. To me that's one of the scariest parts of this time of year is conference committee and what are they going to come up with and when will we know.
2: Very quickly, even before the pandemic, you would have to scramble to find the room in the basement that they were meeting in. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, it was challenging before COVID. It's it's darn near impossible in the current climate to track it.
3: But I think it demonstrates the um, importance of our members paying attention to their inboxes and looking for those action alerts and looking for those emails from us that um, ask them to engage with their legislators as they're uh, headed into conference committees.
1: it seems pretty likely that we'll have one on the the climate gma bill and we'll have to see what comes out of that there's so many different things that they could do and to your point candace once it's an up and down vote you don't even get the chance to make technical corrections and so you know you try to avoid getting to that place if you're trying to pass your bill obviously and then it just it generates all this risk um about what comes out of that process and yeah it's not a not the most pleasant place to be.
2: <laughs> Maybe We should explain a little bit. I don't know if it'll be helpful, but the conference committee would be three members, usually from each caucus uh, that have an interest in the bill. And then they're assigned to work it out, uh, work out the negotiations and and they meet quickly. And sometimes you're there and sometimes you're not there. And then the reports put on put on public or put on the bar for 24 hours. And then it's a straight up or down vote. So
1: And that's three from each chamber.
3: Uh, it's yes,
2: and usually i let
3: that cons- pause out. But yeah, and <laughs> yeah. usually consists of the bill sponsor. Yeah, the bill
2: sponsor is usually in there, mm-hmm.
3: and a committee chair who
2: committee chair, and then the bill
3: somebody who's like, why am I in here? <laughs> <laughs>
1: somebody somebody got- through the short yeah. yeah,
3: exactly. <laughs> Being held against their will. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and that's where the perspectives of those individual members carry start to carry a lot of weight. And you know, the whole legislative process is about. Blending all of these opinions and getting to a to a spot, so they're sort of responsible for putting something together that will pass muster once they bring it to the rest of their colleagues. But the rest of their colleagues don't have as much influence at that point, so it's kind of a, yeah, an interesting little wrinkle.
0: Well, I really appreciate. Um this team for amazing work this session and for taking some time to record this for our members to give them a little insight into what's been happening and and the craziness that is the end of session Uh, i think one of the things we've talked about as a team is just um how powerful our members voices have been uh throughout this session and we've been uh laughing and enjoying a couple of uh quotes in, in news media reports about the extraordinary lobbying clout of cities, and <laughs> I think that, again, really goes back to our members being engaged throughout the session, city leaders calling legislators um, and legislators knowing they're going to have to look those city leaders in the eye when they get back home after <laughs> session. So uh just keep it up folks uh uh, all the way till the the bitter end um (laughs) and hopefully it's hopefully it isn't bitter hopefully it's a positive end for cities uh this session it's we'll see there's
1: there's still a good possibility of that (laughs) yes
0: yes so thank you all very much for joining us and um stay tuned for our end of session recap webinar